0: We go. If anyone saw that, I got attacked by the chair. All right. Turn in your Bibles to 1 John. I didn't see you there for a second, Daniel. I almost went up and just started preaching before you sang. <laughs> Apologize. 1 John chapter 4. <clears throat> it was funny. Our discussion tonight was going over a lot of what I was planning I'm preaching tonight and still am planning on preaching tonight. And I was just thinking, God, I don't know if you. If I have the wrong message or if you're just trying to support what you told me, but I believe it's the latter. In 1 John chapter 4 in verse 7. 1 John chapter 4 in verse 7. says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. And he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another... Uh, sorry, if we, if, we, if we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his Spirit. And he have seen to do and do testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed that the love that God hath to us, God is love. For he that loveth God, uh, for he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God, whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that we who loveth God, uh, that he who loveth God loveth his brother. Also, let's pray. God, I thank you for all you've done for us, and God, I thank you for loving me. And God, I pray you'd help me now as I preach this message, and God, I'd just help me now as I just uh, just speak the message that you've given me. I pray that you'd hide me. I pray you'd help me, God. I pray you'd strengthen me and just give me the uh, energy and ability, God, just to preach the message with boldness and passion as you would desire. And God, I thank you for this message. It's one of my, probably my favorite message I ever get to preach, God, is how much you love us. And God, I pray that you'd help us now just to focus on the fact and to get a blessing, God, that you love us. But not only that, God, but to really strive with all of our being to emulate that, God, to love you and to love other people. God, I pray you'd help us tonight. God, I pray if anyone in here, God, needs help tonight. I pray that they would get it. Not because of me, God, but because of you. Because you are all powerful and you can help any problem here. And God, maybe someone's here with a sin that shouldn't be in their life. I pray you'd convict them. God, maybe someone here just going through a trial. I pray you encourage them. And God, maybe somebody here is really doing what they're supposed to do. And God, I pray you'd strengthen them to keep going. God, I thank you for all you do for us. And God, I thank you that you can do that with one passage of Scripture. You can touch every person in this room. God, I pray that you'd do that tonight. I pray that you'd help me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Love is the strongest force in anyone's life. If you were in my high school class last week and you took a test, and the answer was, or the question was, what motivates every person and every decision? Well, the answer was love. Love for something or someone motivates Everything you do. Sometimes you may say, well, love didn't motivate me to get up. Well, if you love your family and you love money and if you love, you know, being able to pay your bills, that motivated you to get up and to go to work. You say, oh, well, love didn't motivate me to brush my teeth. Well, I love my wife and I love, you know, the people that I get to talk to every day and they don't want to smell my horrible breath. So different things that we do is motivated by love. Love defined, if you look it up on Google, now trust me, we are not, not we're going to stay, but Google defines love as an intense feeling of deep affection. And we're going to go over the fact of what the Bible says love is. It is not just a feeling. So turn with me, uh, If I was going to say if you want to, they told us in Bible college, never suggest. So turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we're going to stay in 1 John most of the night, but in 1 Corinthians 13... It talks about love defined. If we're going to define love, I'd rather just read the verses from the Bible that define love. And in verse 2, and it says, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Charity is another word for love. It's love in action, love for other people. I am nothing. We are nothing without love. Compared to anybody or anything, we are nothing if we don't love anybody, or we don't love other people, or love God. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not, itself is not puffed up. Does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. It beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, and endureth all things. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. And whether there be tongues, they shall cease. And whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. So it's a lot more than just an intense feeling of deep affection. Charity, love, is the strongest force that we have in, as human. Love is action. And we're going to get into that a little bit more. But in First John, it talks about, you know, love not in word or in truth. Uh, love not in word, but in deed and in truth. Love is not just something you say. Love is something you do. Love is action. Love is also sacrifice. Love is selflessly doing something for somebody else because you're putting yourself aside and you're doing something for that person because of love. It's putting yourself last and the object of your love first love is obedience. Jesus says if you love me, keep my commandments. And then love love existed before creation. We t- I've mentioned that in the panel, and that's what I was talking about that the there's a lot in the panel that you may hear again, but that's God working and maybe we need to hear it twice. But love existed before creation. Before anything happened, God was there. And we know that. And we know that God is eternal and that God has never had a beginning and he'll never have an end, but it also means that love never had a beginning and never had an end because God is love. We are commanded to love God and to love people. So if you haven't gotten it yet, the message is about love, the love of God. And a lot of times we think about love and we say, oh, well, you know, that's that lovey-dovey type of Christianity where you just kind of love everybody and sin's okay and everything's great as long as we just love each other. And we kind of think well, the contemporary church and the more liberal churches have stolen love from us. Well, that's not true. Love is a biblical thing. Love is a God thing. God is love. So we can't ever dismiss the the fact that we should be loving people just because, you know, some people take it out of context and love people to the point where they let them sin. So we need to be loving and we need to love God and love other people. But first I want to look at our first point in verse 7. In verse 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. So first is divine love. Why do we have to love other people? Sometimes it feels like we have to. Why are we commanded to love other people? Why should we love other people? Well, it says very clearly in verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. We need to love other people because God loved us first. You know, we never deserved God's love. We never earned it. We never did anything that God said, you know what, I'll love that person. No, God just selflessly loves us. And, you know, I've heard a preacher say this, and it's great. He says, you'll never do anything to make God love you less. And you'll never do anything to make God love you more because you never did anything to make God love you in the first place. God loves you regardless of who you are and what you do. Now, that doesn't mean, because we've got to be careful, it doesn't mean go do whatever you want because God loves you. You know, God hates sin. He hates it. Every wicked thing you do, God hates it. And God doesn't ever look and say, that's okay because I love you. No, he's saying, that's disgusting, forgive, repent, and I still love you. He hates sin, but he loves the sinner. So God is love. So where does love come from? The source of love is God is the source of love. All love comes from God. The world didn't invent love, and the world didn't say, oh, well, this is how you love other people, and all these Uh, professionals with all their fans, and oh, I love my fans. No, no, that's all taken from God. God is love, and we're going to get into that, but God is the source of love. God gave us love as a gift. You know, love is a gift. God didn't have to create love, per se. He could have just created it to where we're robots, and we do what we're supposed to do, and you know, yes, God, I'll do that, sure, and uh, okay, praise God, and you just kind of go through your day, but no, God gave us the option to love him. And God loves us. God gave us the privilege of love. God gave us the gift of love. You know, so we have the source of love and the Savior of love. So this is the part, which is probably my favorite passage in all of Scripture, and my favorite, you know, just the whole thing behind Scripture is the Savior of love. God is love. If you look in verse 8, it says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And if you know anything about grammar... I know Mrs. Kennedy is here. She's our English teacher. Is is a linking verb. Is that correct? Linking verb. It means it has a predicate nominative or a predicate adjective after it. And a predicate nominative renames the subject. And we see here that God is love. It doesn't say he's loving. It doesn't say it's not a predicate adjective. It doesn't say the chair is I almost said red. It's obviously not red. That one. The chair is red. That's a predicate adjective redescribing. That you see, you didn't know you were getting an English lesson. It's a predicate adjective redescribing. It's describing the chair. It's a red chair. Now, if I said that Anthony is a youth pastor, that would be a predicate nominative renaming Anthony. Well, we see here it says God is love, and I believe that that is a predicate nominative, meaning that God is literally love himself. That is renaming God. And if you take a different passage in the Scripture and you replace the word God with love, or you, you replace the word God with a loving God and just have the idea behind it, and, and it works because God is love. God took the fact that, you know, that we're, we were sinners and, and then God saved us, that's a loving God. Or the fact that even after we're saved, we still sin and God forgives us every time. That's a loving God. Or the fact that He created us out of the outpouring of His love, because he's a loving God, that God literally is love. He is the perfect embodiment of love. He's the perfect example of love. If you ever need somewhere to look to see God's love, just look in the Bible. And we're going to look at the one main passage that we're probably all thinking of, is that God showed his love in verse 9 through 10. It says, if in this was manifested the love of God toward us, that's me and that's you. God loves you. You say, I don't believe that. Well, we're going to read in Scripture why that's true, or maybe you do believe it, but you haven't felt it lately. God loves you, and we're going to read why in the Bible. Don't trust me. This is the Bible. It says, because that God sent His only begotten Son, we talk about love is action, love is sacrifice, that's right there in that verse, into the world that we might live through Him, here in His love. So here it is. Here's the definition of love, biblically speaking, now that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for us. So God loves you. Why? Why do I know that? Why do I know God loves me? It's because he sent his son to die for me. Say, Anthony, I've heard that since Sunday school, day one. But do we believe it? Do we know it to be true? Do we feel in our heart that, that God loves you because he sent his son to die for you? You know, he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to give you a way to salvation. We're sinners and we deserve hell. But God gave us a way to be saved. God gave us the avenue to of salvation. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Paul understood the love of God. Paul knew, I mean, let's be real here. Paul was not a good person before he got saved. None of us were. Paul was persecuting Christians, and he was putting them in jail, and he would kill Christians, and he would, you know, he would, he would literally seek after to try to hunt them down, per se. Think of that. Think of if someone came into America, purposely started killing Christians, and then that person started getting saved. Or you, say you were that person who said, you know, go talk to Paul, how to get saved. We probably wouldn't want to, but that person gets saved. That person knows without a doubt that God loves him. The fact that he was persecuting God's people, that he was persecuting the church of God, and God saved him. And he knew without a doubt that God loved him. And he's the one who wrote Romans, and he knew that, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for him. John, 1 John 4, 19 says, We love him because he first loved us. In Hebrews 12, 6, it says, For the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. In Luke 15, 2, it says, This man receiveth sinners. Aren't you glad that God receives sinners? You know, that's actually the Pharisees talking in that passage, and they, they murmur and they said, This man receiveth sinners. Well, I'm glad, praise the Lord, that Jesus receive sinners and the next part of that verse is and eateth with them you know it wasn't just enough to preach and preach to preach to sinners no he sat down and he ate with them and he talked to them why because he wanted to see them saved why because he loved them Jesus loves you you know in Romans 8 it says who shall separate us from the love of God shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril Or sword, as it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, or nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Jeremiah said, The Lord hath appeared unto me, yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love, There, with loving kindness I have drawn thee. Isaiah said, Since thou was precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Ephesians 2, 3 says, that, Among whom also were our conversations in old times, past in lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and we were natures, the children of wrath, even as others. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherein he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, he hath quickened us together with Christ. In John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. And there I could go on and on about verses in the Bible that tell you that God loves you. And I love this fact, and Pastor Nick actually used to always point it out. He says in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. You know, if I say that, you know, we, we say that you know, so much. I, I love this so much. I love my wife so much. If she asks, and what does Anthony love? I would love Doritos so much. And Just there's different things. So is an exclamatory word saying that, you know, it, it's your whole heart desire. Well, the fact is that God said, I love the world so much. It wasn't enough for, for God to inspire John to say, you know, just put for God, so, for God loved the world. No, he told him, for God so loved the world. He loved it so much. He loves you so much. Why? Because that was us before we got saved. We were living in the world, and then Jesus came, and he died for us, and now we have a way to be saved. God poured out his love to his creation by giving us a way to salvation. God didn't just say he loved us. He proved that he loved us. C.S. Lewis said, though our feelings come and go, God's love for us never does. God loves you. Regardless of who you are or what you've done or what your past looks like, God can save you from that. God can clear you from that. And he wants you to move on through his love in the future. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. That's the good part. That's the feel-good part. Yay, God loves me. But what are we doing about that? What, what are we in our personal lives doing with the fact that God loves us? With the fact that the creator of all the universe has given us everything that we need To live godly. The Bible says there's no excuse that that God is able to do abundantly above all that we ask or think. Or God is able to give you all things unto every good work. God's given you all you need to live righteous. God loves you. And that gives you the ability to do whatever you need to live righteous. But what are you doing with that? What a blessing that God loves me. But we must love him back. Don't just know God loves you. Do something about it. So first we had a divine love, and I, I wanted to preach you and show you through the Bible that God loves you. But also, in verse 19, in 1 John 4, it says, We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? So first thing that I see is a devoted love, is that we need to love God back and it's very simple, it's almost uh, too simple, we sometimes miss it, is the fact that God loved us so much, it's only logical for us to love him back. So first, I see that there's a bold love. In Mark 12, in verse 30, it talks about how we should love God, and a, I think it was a lawyer. It's either a lawyer or a Pharisee. He asked them, you know, what's the greatest commandment in the Old Testament? And they said it trying to trick him they're trying to trying to step him up to say okay well if this one's greater why do we have to do this one no he said all right the greatest commandment in all of the old testament is to love god with all of your heart with all of your soul and with all of your mind and and, and we'll get to why that's the greatest commandment but that it was a bold way to love god god is doesn't want you to wake up oh i love god and then live otherwise that's not showing true love God says love him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. So everything you think about should be based on the love of God. Everything you do, everything you feel in your heart should be an overflow of the fact that you love God. Loving God is the most important commandment in the Bible. That's straight out of the mouth of Christ. Jesus said the most important commandment is to love God. Deuteronomy 6.5 talks about to love thy Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. God loves you more than anybody. Think about that. Anybody on this earth, whether it's your spouse or whoever it may be, God loves you more than them. But do we love God more than anything on this earth? It it, it needs to be the fact that God is the king of our heart. If I were to look at your heart tonight, not your your actual beating heart, but if I would look at your heart, who is the king of your heart? Who's there? When when your greatest desire, what you're thinking about you want to do when you get home or what you're thinking you have to do through the whole week is that I can't wait to read my Bible. Say, Anthony, you know, that's a little bit crazy. No, God has to be king of your heart. The fact that you love God and that you want to love God needs to be the main priority. God loves you more than anybody. Do you love him more than anything? God gave himself for you. We need to give ourselves. Him, Romans 12 1 through 2 talks about giving your life as a living sacrifice unto God. We talk about love is sacrifice, so bold love, and then I see blind love in verse 12. It says, No man has seen God at any time. If we love if we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. You know, I've always wondered to myself, Why does God even add that in there? Why does it say, No man has seen God at any time? I was reading that and Probably a couple years ago when I really started reading my Bible. And I remember reading that. I said, man, that's kind of weird to throw that in there. And, and, you know, this about love and that. And, oh, by the way, no one's seen God at any time. I was like, yeah, I know that. And it just kept going. But now I realize is the fact that we've never seen God. If you say you have, well, you're a liar. It's not. In the, the Bible says you haven't. And no man has seen God. And the Bible says, how can you say you hate your brother who you've seen and then say you love God who you haven't seen? We say, oh, well, God's never done this, or God's ne-. I think it says no one, you know, if you love your brother, I think of all the things my brother have done for me. I've always never really got along with Kyle, and now Kyle's probably one of my favorite brothers, besides Tim, of course, Tim was my best man, uh, but, you know, next in line, I would say is probably, I mean, obviously, I love them all the same, but he was my neighbor, and we were best friends, and we ate dinner together, and I just, but when I was younger, me and Kyle always clash. We actually lived together in the same bunk, you know, in a bunk bed, and I moved out. I said, all right, I'm grabbing my dresser, I'm out of here. And I moved downstairs, and I just couldn't take it anymore. But I think of, you know, if I were to say, you know, I hate Kyle, he's so mean. I only say that because, you know, we're great, we're good friends now. But people can look at that and say, well, how do you love God? You haven't seen God, you know, you haven't talked to God, person, face to face. So how can you possibly say that you love God when you hate your brother? Well, let's look at the church. Is there anybody that, we say, oh, I don't hate anybody in the church. Well, why don't we talk to everybody in the church? Or we talk about, well, I, I don't hate anybody, but do you avoid people because of something they said or something they did to you? I mean, I've, you know, they say that Christians are the only soldiers that shoot their own men. And it happens sometimes. We're humans. We hurt each other. We say things that aren't right. But we should never get to a point where we avoid people. We should never get to a point where we say, oh, I love God, I love God, but I've, I don't want to talk to this person. They, they just rub me the wrong way. Well, God tells you to love people. God tells you to love everybody. Every person deserves your love. I don't care who they are or how wicked they are. Every person deserves your love. Even if you just pray for them. Even if you just talk to them. Say of a word of encouragement. I remember someone was very mean to me. I don't actually remember who it was, to be honest with you. But in high school, someone was very mean to me. And God just said, Anthony, you need to be nice to that person. I was like, are you kidding me? Every day I'm thinking of the next thing I'm going to say to them or something mean that I could say back at them. But I was just nice one day. And they're just like, and I remember him, they're like, I think it was someone at my job actually would just make fun of me or whatever. He's like, Anthony, you know, why are you being nice to me? You know, I'm really, you know, I don't like you. And he was very blunt about it. But that's how we need to be. We need to be nice to people and to love people because that is the Christian way. But I'm getting ahead of myself. But talk about loving God. We need to love God even if we haven't seen him. You can still see him working in your life. Now, I'm not saying we don't see God working. Don't call me a heretic, go to Pastor Y, go, oh, you went on vacation, Anthony doesn't believe God is there and he doesn't work. That's not true, I know that. But we can't physically go into heaven and see God. But we can see him working in our life. Jesus said it's like the wind, you don't see it, but you see the effects of it. So if God works in our lives and changes our lives and does great things, we know that that's God working in our life. All right, so there's a bold love, a blind love, and then a beggar's love. When you stop loving God, it's because you've forgotten who he is. When you stop loving God, it's because you think you're so up there. Oh, you know what? God should love me. I'm pretty great. You know, I, I've, of course God loves me. I go to church every time the doors are open. No, God loves you regardless of what you've done or who you are. But when we stop loving God back, it's because we've forgotten who we are. And we're just a beggar. We're just, just a little person in a 7 billion people world that God reached out to and got saved. And now we're here where we are. We need to remember that. We are privileged to love God. Not only do we need to love God, but we also need—excuse me—to love other people. So God loves us. That's a great thing, and we've talked about that. And you know, that's an amazing thing. It's a miraculous thing that God loves us. And because of that, we should love other. We should love God, but also and lastly, we should love other people. Turn with me, or if you're already there, I'm still there. In First John four. In verse 11, it says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time, but God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfect in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Skip down to verse uh, 19. It says, We love him because he first loved us. If any man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. And that loveth not his brother from whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this is the commandment that we have from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. So it doesn't matter who it is, God commands you to love them. You say, oh, well, they're annoying, and they don't, you know, I don't just like that person. Well, God commands you to love them. He doesn't command you, now this is my... This is a good part. God doesn't command you to be best friends with that person. He doesn't command you to hang out with that person every day and go get coffee or whatever it may be. He just commands you to love them. So that means you don't have to avoid you don't have to, you know, hang out with them and say, "Hey, do you want to get lunch after school?" even though I don't like you. No, but you have to you, you still have to talk to that person. You can't just walk by and start going the other way. No, you have to love that person. Do as the as I, I use this verse all the time with the kids in school because they'll be hitting each other or annoying each other. I say, All right, what does the Bible say? Do unto others as you have them do unto you. So if he's hit, if you're hitting him, that must mean that you want him to hit you. They're like, No, I don't want that. I was like, Well, there you go. But it's the same thing with the Christians and in the church and in us as an adult in the church, if we want people to love us, we need to be loving to other people. So it's a logical love. God loved us. We should love other people. That's a logical thing. We didn't deserve God's love. You say, oh, that person doesn't deserve my love. Well, you never deserved God's love, and God gave it to you anyway. So love other people. God loved us, and we need to love others. And then it's not only a logical love, but it's a life of love. Are you known by your love? In John 13, 35, it says, This is how people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. When's the last person, some time? When's the last time somebody came up to you and said, hey, "Are you a Christian?" You know that's happened to me a few times. Probably not as much as it should. The amount of times I've, you know, worked in the secular workplace or even just been outside in the world, people should notice that there's something different about you. Now I remember I was in the store. I think it was Wawa. I was probably just getting a jalapeno cheddar pretzel, which are just amazing. But I remember. I was at the counter, and the guy didn't have enough money, and right away, the guy next to him was like, oh, I'll pay for it. It was just quick, like, oh, I got it, and I just thought to myself, you know, that's how the Christian should be, just quick to love somebody, no matter who it is. You see somebody struggling on the side, and just, you know, just run to it, and just go help that person out. I remember, <coughs> excuse me, so this is why I got my tea up here when my throat gets dry. Surprise! surprised it's not coffee, to be honest with you, but that's, I think of another time when I was at the store. It was the saddest thing I've ever seen. Okay, not the saddest thing, but I was I was outside, and I was walking to my car, and it was pouring rain. Pouring, it's just oh, it's just annoying. I'm like, why am I outside at the store right now? But it was pouring raining, and uh, this cart full of groceries is just sliding down the parking lot. I was like, oh, that's weird. Usually, there's people behind those things. And it's just sliding down the parking lot, and I look, and there's this poor elderly lady just. Slowly walking, she had a cane and everything, walking towards the the um the cart. And I, you know, I got up and I ran to it and I got it for her. And I just thought, you know, how many other people saw that and just let it happen? And I think of different times in life when there's people who are struggling who need our help and they need a Christian who knows that God loves them and will be able to sacrifice their time, sacrifice their day, really, to go help somebody. And that's what makes us different. And that's what. God intends for us as Christians is the fact that we didn't deserve God's love and he reached out to us and he loved us and now we take that love and we can give it to somebody else. We can tell somebody else that Jesus loves them. You know, some people, "Oh, I'm not good at soul winning or I don't know how to witness to somebody." Just they always hold us in college. Just tell them what God did for you. Just tell them, "Hey, I don't really know what you need and I'm not going to be able to, you know, theologically explain everything in the Bible, but I know that I was a sinner and God saved me because he loved me. And I wanted to tell you that God loves you. And God does love you. And that's all you really need is your own testimony and the love of God in your life. And you can witness to anybody. The Bible also talks about having a life of love. In Matthew uh, five forty four, it says, love your enemies. Now, Tom mentioned it tonight and I thought maybe he stole my notes because he said a lot of things that is in here. But the Bible says to love your enemies. You know that's a difficult thing for me when I think about. It. And I don't really say I have enemies per se, but you know, if somebody were to, you know, break into my house, uh, break into my apartment, you know, say for some reason I left the balcony door open, and the guy's like, "Oh, that's interesting." And he jumps on up and he breaks into my house. And I met that guy. You know, the first instinct wouldn't be to love that person. I would be very angry at this person. You know, there's different people in our life that we may see as enemies. Now, I'm not saying you have to, you know, give all your stuff to the guy who breaks into your house. But there are people that you may see. well, this person wronged me. This person did something to me that I didn't like. Or this person hurt my feelings. You know, we're we're in the world and it's a messed up, sin-stricken place and people are going to hurt you. But it's never an excuse not to love somebody. And I've been hurt. I've been hurt. Uh, fairly bad sometimes by this uh, few people, obviously, but there's one in particular that I remember, and I had a lot of bitterness in my heart. I said, I'm never going to forgive this person, what they did to me, different uh, things they put me through. And one day, I remember, God just told me, said, Anthony, you know, you put a lot of different people through a lot of things, and you put your family through a lot of things, just being in there. But talking about, you know, you put a lot of people through things, and, you know, Anthony, you put me through the cross. I said, oh, I didn't do that. He's like, your sin... Put Jesus to the cross. Each and every one of us, our sin is why Jesus went to the cross. If you were the only person alive, Jesus would have died for you. Jesus, in all of his being, loves his creation. So there's no excuse for bitterness. There's no excuse not to love somebody because God loves us. We need to love our enemies. A love life with God is shown by a life of others, a love of life. Uh, let me try that again. A love life with God is shown by a life of love. If you're not a loving person, think, do people think of you as a loving person? You say, oh, well, uh, I'm just grumpy all the time. Well, there's no excuse for that. Now, obviously, it's okay to be grumpy every once in a while. Ask Kaylee, I get grumpy all the time, mostly when I wake up. But I used to be a morning person, but it just doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> but then, you know, sometimes it's, I don't want to get too far off track, but we're <laughs> still so bringing the cup of coffee in bed, and I'm just like, wow. Then I get joyful in the Lord but see I knew I shouldn't have said that now I'm distracted a love life with God is shown by a life of love so love is action is your life categorized by love uh, loving other people I don't care what your job is I don't care what you encounter each and every day in life and I do care but it doesn't matter there's no excuse not to love other people say oh you don't know who I work with they're so annoying God wants you to love that person you say, oh, but these, you know, these children, are, uh, you know, I'm a teacher and this one kid and whatever it may be. God wants you to love everybody. And I, I trust me, I'm a teacher. I know sometimes the, the, the people, the students, are just, they're just in a mood on a Friday and they don't want to listen. God wants us to love them. That's what our life is about as Christians is to love other people. And it's great. Yay, we get to go to heaven. And God loves me and everything. And I, I get to sin, I sin and, and God forgives me. And that's great. How are you loving other people? How, how are you using that love of God to impact other people? I, mean, I think of countless people in, in my life who have impacted me just by loving me. Obviously, the main one I think of is my mom. She just impacted me so much just by loving me. that She didn't have to do anything or say anything. I just knew that she loved me. I think, honestly I don't want to, not that it's talking bad about her, but I remember one time we were kids and I was a troublemaker. So I did this to myself. I was a troublemaker. I was annoying. Tim will tell you, man, I was annoying when I was a child. I still can be. But one time, we always used to annoy Stephen. And sometimes Stephen would, I wouldn't say snap, but he would get angry like a person would when you annoy them. And we knew that, so I would annoy him. And the one time, he was crying and crying. And my mom's like, Anthony, stop annoying Stephen. And she got all mad at me. And I'm just like, and it wasn't me. And really, I promise, it wasn't me that time. It was somebody else. And then th- I think it was Kyle or Tim. They're just like, uh, Mom, that wasn't Anthony. That was me. And she's just like, you could just see that her heart broke because she loved me so much. Of the fact that, you know, she, she was wrong, that I really didn't wrong, Stephen. she just hugged me. And she was like, Anthony, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it, whatever. But, I mean, it's true that we did bother Stephen a lot, so I probably did it to myself. But I just think of different times in my life just that, you know, that she loved me. and She made a difference in my life just by her love. And I promise you, the number one person you can impact with God's love is your family. The number one person that you can make an impact is your kids and your grandkids, is your spouse, just by the love of God, just by the fact that, you know, God loved me so much, the fact that he gave me this 66-book love letter, and the fact that God does so much for me, I can do something for somebody else. You know, when's the last time you did something loving for someone in your family? When's the last time you said, I don't care what my day entails, I don't care what game is on tonight, or, or I don't care what show is on, or whatever it may be, I'm going to do something loving for my spouse. And if I'm going to be honest, it's not as much as I should. And I remember um, one time, it was a Saturday, and I just said, you know what, I'm gonna, we're going to go on a date day. And we, we just did not let anybody schedule anything. We said, we're going on a date day, and we had a great time. And you have to do that. You have to take time aside and just love your spouse. But also, you know, love your family. That is your first ministry. They used to tell us that all the time in college. That is why they're in your life. God gave them to you to love. It's really just God's gift to us is to love each other. So it's a life of love, but it's learned love. You know, love is not something that you get naturally. Love is not something that you can just instantly, all right, now I love everybody. No, you have to learn it. They have to, you know, just continue to grow in your love for other people. I remember the first thing I did when I had the, when we used to have, and we're going to hopefully soon, but talking about the bus ministry, and I would just pray, God, give me a love for those kids. God, give me a love for different, you know, the teens and the youth group and whatever it may be. It's hard to get annoyed with somebody when you're asking God to help you love that person. So whatever it may be, whatever person in your life you're struggling to love, because I get it, sometimes it's difficult, but you've got to ask God to give you that love. And then lastly, a lack of love. do we have a lack of love and I'm closing this church is this church known as a loving church? You know love promotes fellowship if we love one another we you know we fellowship we we talk and we ask each other how we're doing, we pray for one another and we 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 you know how are you you know what's going on you just Different things, just talking. Just say, hey, how was your week? You know, connect with people and say, oh, well, I don't want to get too close to them. Well, I'm going to get corona. Just if you're worried about that, wear your mask. And if you're worried about that, tell me because I probably won't wear it. But we can fellowship as Christians. Love promotes fellowship. The Christian church, the the church is supposed to be the demonstration of God's love to other people. So if a visitor comes in and, and they say, all right, I'm going I'm to visit Ocean County Baptist Church today, how many people are going to go up to and talk to them? And I try to make an effort to go up to talk to people, but I, I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just, you know, Haley, can you go talk to that person? Or, hey, Pastor Dawana, did you see that visitor? Did you talk to him yet? You know, see, sometimes we can get nervous, but when I think, I say, you know what? If I were a visitor, I would want somebody to talk to me. If And I think of my own life that God loved me so much, I can take that love and I get the privilege of sharing it to someone else. And what they always used to tell us at Bible College, which always usually just kind of gives me the kick that I need to go talk to people. Say, Anthony, you try all the time to knock on doors and knock on doors and God just brought one to you. So why would you not go talk to them? So always greet visitors, fellowship with other people because of our love. Love promotes prayer. You know, they can say they know what you care about by what you pray about. You know, when you start praying, what are the first words out of your mouth? It's usually the things you love the most. You know, I pray, you know, God, help this church and the youth group and my wife and my family. And, you know, I just start praying and praying and all the things that I love the most are at the forefront. So you can know what you love by what you pray about. But also if there's no prayer, there's no love. So where do you lack love? God does not lack love. And this is the last point is God does not lack love. So no matter what, you think or what you feel, God loves you. God does not lack the love. The lack is on our part when we don't love other people. You may have some love toward other people, but do you have all love toward all people? There is no other option. There's no, okay, I'll love this person fully and with no, you know, intentions or no regrets, but this person over here, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to say hello to them and I'm going to walk the other way. No, you have to love all people with all love. That's the Christian life. Jesus said, this is how people are going to know if you're my disciples, if you have love one towards another. So that's what we should be. As Christians, we should be soldiers who love the enemy. You know, that's crazy. We are soldiers who love the enemy. Now, we pray and we fight against the devil, but, you know, we love people that hurt us. We love people that use us. We love people that are going to talk poorly about us. Why? Because we're Christians and God loved us. So, The Bible has so much to say about love. It's not something that we can just forget about. It's not something we say, oh, well, we don't want to get too much into that lovey-dovey Christianity because then we might get off into some things that aren't doctrine. Well, the Bible has a lot to say about love. Number one, in closing, God loves you. Don't ever forget it. Don't ever, you know, always believe it. And if you don't believe it, say, God, I don't feel love tonight. Pray. Ask God to show you. Read those verses that I that I went over. I'll, I can give them to you if you want. Just different verses about the love of God. Always know that God forgives you. And God's showed his love for you when Jesus died on the cross. Do you love him? You know, it's great that God loves us, but do we love him? And then lastly, do we love other people? Who in your life can vouch for you? They say, you know, they can say, you know, I don't even worry about it. I know that person. They love God and they love me. They love God and they love other people. Who in your life can say that? Who in your life, now this might be a little bit more convicting, who in your life might say that you don't love them? Who in your life might say, hey, uh, are you a Christian? Because that wasn't very nice. Are, are you a Christian because, you know, I was kind of hoping you would help me out and you said you couldn't. You know, are you a Christian because I asked you to pray and, you know, I, I, I talked to you about it and you didn't even remember? Do we love other people? Do people? Are there people in our life who don't feel love? Where do you lack love? Not talking to someone shows God that you don't love that person. When you walk by them, when you disregard them, where do you lovingly sacrifice for other people? The Bible says love your enemies. It's not an easy thing, but it is commanded. Our lives, our testimony should be one of love. So are we loving God Are we loving other people? Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for loving me. God, I thank you for the fact that you are amazing. God, that you are creator, that you are ruler over everything, but yet you love me. And God, I pray I would never get over it. I pray I would never just say, oh, yeah, I know that. No, God, the fact that you truly, above everything else, love me. And God, I pray that I, would <clears throat> that I would just use that as an example to love you, God, that I wouldn't just say I love you, but I would live like I love you. God, that I wouldn't just say I love people, God, but that I would live it. God, that I would be sacrificial and that I would show it in my actions. God, I thank you for all you do for us, and I thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.